Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 70. Memory and also the brain in general, uh, like a muscle. So think of, I guess, your brain kind of like the body in general. So exercising your brain in general is good for you, like exercising your body. And then, of course, you can strengthen specific parts of that, right? So if you do the curls, it will strengthen your biceps, right? So if you memorize decks of cards, it's going to hone in on the memory aspect of your brain specifically. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. Today is Monday, so we have another deep dive interview with another amazing guest. I am just so stoked on the conversation that I just had with Chester Santos. Chester is a memory expert and actually a national champion in memory championships and competitions. Chester has different TED Talks, uh, courses. I mean, he's done pretty much everything you can with memory. He talks about how he can memorize a deck of cards in 90 seconds, how he can remember, you know, everyone's names and he really explains all of these techniques with us how simple they are the journey technique the story technique the the name technique he he shares how we can all tap into our brain's capacity to memorize various different things and how to use these skills for so many different aspects of life whether it's memorizing uh, business techniques whether it's memorizing a speech for a conference or uh, memorizing stuff for school or a test. Uh, This could be memorizing and remembering names or something that I was most excited about, how to memorize rivers and different river features. It was really cool how we got Chester to talk about how we can uh, remember rivers better and kind of just explore the whole kayaking side of it as well because I'm sure that's something that Chester as a memory expert doesn't always dive into that side of the whole memory, I don't know, concepts, I guess. Again, this was a really, really fun conversation and I learned a ton. I can guarantee you that you are going to, I, I don't say that very often. I don't say the word guarantee, but I guarantee you on this episode that you are going to learn something and walk away with with more knowledge. And uh, yeah, I just, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Chester Santos. Well, Chester, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Art of Awesome podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. I'm really looking forward to talking with you today. Yeah, so so Chester, just a little like the the brief introduction introduction that I've got here for you is you are considered the international man of memory. Uh, you've won the national memory championships. You've memorized a deck of cards that's been shuffled in uh, under ninety seconds. You're an author and you you run memory sen- seminars and. You've done TED Talks, you've done television shows. I mean, you've kind of done it all. But let's kind of go back to the start. Like, how does someone even get into memory? Like, that's not like a, a, a sports thing that you start as a kid, or maybe it was. Like, how do, how do you get into, like, the memory national championships? How does that start? Yeah, so pretty randomly, yeah. <laughs> is how it started. So I was flipping channels one night. This was way back in the year 2000. I was just flipping channels and I happened to catch a segment on ABC's 2020, that evening news program. They had a segment on the United States National Memory Championship and it sparked my interest just because growing up, I would often get the comment from people. People would often say to me, wow, you have a really good memory. So with those comments kind of in the back of my mind, when I saw this segment about this memory championship, I thought, hey, maybe I can do well in this competition. But 
when I looked into what the best people in the country were scoring in the various events, memorizing decks of playing cards, hundreds of computer generated random digits, hundreds of names in just a few minutes perfectly, I quickly realized that although I probably was, was above average in terms of memory, I wasn't on that level. So that's when I started doing research. Okay, I'm pretty good now. How can I magnify my memory from where it's currently at? I read all the books I could find on memory improvement. I did a lot of online research. I found what seemed to be working best for me personally and then stuck to training myself in that small subset of techniques that I felt were the most effective until eventually I did manage to win uh, the United States memory championship. And since then, I've spent the last 13 plus years training other people all over the world. I've given presentations now in more than 30 different countries on how anyone can develop powerful memory skills and leverage those skills to become more successful in one's career, personal life, and also uh, to help kids out in school. If you happen to have any kids or grandkids uh, in school, this type of memory skills development is very useful there. That's amazing. So I, a couple things, just because I, um, I'm an athlete myself, I've done, you know, a lot of national championships, world championships, that kind of stuff. How old were you when you first, you know, came across this, you know, memory national championships and started training for it? And then how long was that until you actually ended up winning the national championships? Like how, what was the span, the time span of training for that? Yeah. So I started off in my early twenties. I trained just on my own for a few years before I actually entered and tried to compete in this uh, national championship. The first time I competed three years after beginning training, I took third place, um, which was pretty cool. And so then I knew that I probably could win it. So I became kind of obsessed at that point at trying to get first place. Um, but I kept getting third. I kept getting third many years in a row, actually not second for some reason, but always third. And then one year in 2008, I really just made it my mission in life, uh, to win this thing. So I just became really serious at the time I was working as a software engineer, full-time software engineer. So, uh, after work in the evenings, I would train my memory for about probably three hours plus per night per evening. And then on the weekends, I would train like five plus hours a day. So it's pretty intense. Actually, what's required, we do consider a mental sport. Um, It's like the memory Olympics, you could consider it. So it's pretty intense. That's what it took, though. And then when I went back that year, I actually won it pretty handily. I blew blew away the competition in that particular uh, year because I just was was so, so ready. So, so prepared. That's awesome. I, I interview a lot of different um, top performers, I'd say, but uh, a lot of athletes as well. And, and that obsession, it seems to be somewhat necessary for anybody to reach the pinnacle, uh, no matter what it is. It's like once you get fully obsessed and you just have that like laser focus um, on whatever it is that you're doing, you'll eventually just... It, it just, I don't know. I guess it just becomes so much easier to, to reach that success when you're just like you're fully lasered in on that. So is, is when you, you mentioned that like the memory, you know, world or national championships, almost like the, the memory Olympics, do you guys consider the brain then a muscle like, like your biceps or your quads or something like that, where you're actually, you're physically working it out where, or is it just, is it more of like a technique or a skill that you're doing? Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. So we, we exactly, that is exactly what we, how we view things. We do consider memory and also the brain in general, uh, like a muscle. So think of, I guess your brain, uh, kind of like the body in general. So exercising your brain in general is good for you, like exercising your body. And then of course you can strengthen specific parts of that, right? So if you do the curls, it will strengthen your biceps, right? So if you memorize decks of cards, it's going to hone in on the memory aspect of your brain specifically. So it's very um, much like training uh, the body. And it's, uh, you know, the limits, what we currently think to be the limits are always being pushed. I don't know how it is in your area. I I looked up that you were a professional kayaker. I'm not sure how it is in that area, but I know like, for instance, in track and field, the, the records are always 
getting broken, right? Like what yeah. you, you know, 10 years ago, what you thought was going to be the fastest time in event that probably has been really blown away by a significant margin. So to give you an idea in terms of memory, back when I was competing, memorizing a deck of cards. So this is a shuffle deck of 52 playing cards. I was memorizing it in less than 90 seconds. So about a minute and a half. And that was like, you know, incredible back then. But, you know, now 10 plus years later, people are doing it in less than 30 seconds. So it goes to show that even the limits of what we think uh, is possible in terms of memory, those limits are being pushed um, as the best in the world continue to push those limits. So, okay, there's a couple things in here that I really want to kind of break down because I love this whole concept and and I've done a bit of, you know, research on memory myself. I kind of grew up probably like a lot of people where you're just being told or maybe you hear someone say like, oh, I'm just not good at names. And so then I kind of just like adapted that, I guess. And I just was like, oh, I'm just not very good at names. I can remember faces, but I'm not very good at names. And and so I've, I've never necessarily been great at names. I've also got friends of mine who are just like phenomenal at remembering almost, I know that photographic memory isn't technically a thing, but they almost have like photographic memory on like rivers where they can run a river once and then just fully remember it like completely the next time years later that they go back there. Do you find with memorizing like a deck of cards, is that, cause I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're using the major system. Is that right? Is that, am I, am um, I even close? So uh, one part of memorizing a deck of cards could be using the major system or the phonetic alphabet system, which is basically turning something that is abstract. It could be a number sequence or a playing card into a concrete image, but that isn't enough. So once you have the image to represent that abstract piece of information, you've then got to employ some other techniques to get all of the cards in order. So you could uh, build the story using something called the story method. You could then use a memory palace or method of loci, something that originated with the ancient Greeks. Um, I can get into specific memory techniques later on, but before we get there, it's probably going to be better to talk about some general principles that apply to improving your ability to remember things that would come into play no matter what the information type. So playing cards, names, uh, whatever it might be, there's always going to be three overarching principles, but then the specific technique is probably going to vary depending on the information type. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's essentially what I was going to ask was whether or not you could memorize a river or river features the same way and using same techniques that you would memorize, you know, um, a book or a name or a deck of cards or whether they're all different systems. So, yeah, fill us in, I guess, on on kind of how that all works. Yeah, very good question. So the specific technique is going to vary a lot of times depending on the information type. But three overarching principles that will always apply is one, turn the information, no matter what it is that you're trying to commit to memory, somehow into a visual, something that you can picture in your mind, because we're very good at remembering things that we see. So an example that I like to give in terms of names, let's say you go to a party, all right, you're meeting a lot of new people at this party. Two weeks after it's over, you're talking with one of your friends that was also there, and your friend says, hey, Nick, you remember that attorney that we met at the party a couple weeks ago? He's also a member of the golf club. As your friend is describing to you that person from the party, a lot of times you can picture in your mind exactly who they're talking about. You might even remember what that person was wearing at the party when you met them, right? Obviously, your friend can picture who they're describing to you, but a lot of times neither one of you can manage to remember the person's name. Right. So that is a very good example, I think, of we're good at remembering faces, basically. Right. We can call to mind what people look like, but not necessarily the names. This makes sense because when you interact with people in various ways, you're actually seeing the face. The face is recorded into your visual memory, but the name is something much more abstract to your brain. So one way to get better at remembering names is to try to turn them in some way into a powerful visual. So if I meet someone named Mike, I might picture a microphone. If I meet someone named Alice, I might picture a white rabbit because that reminds me of Alice in Wonderland. So coming up with a visual 
for the information. In this case, I was talking about names, but the general principle, turn the information into something you can picture in your mind. It's going to make it so much easier to remember. Uh, second principle that will always come into pra practice is after you have the visual, try to involve as many additional senses as you can from there. Because as you're doing that, you will be activating more and more areas of your brain and you will be building more and more connections in your mind to the information, making it so much easier to retrieve it later. So if people ever want to check it out later on online, I started an episode of PBS's Nova Science. Uh, the episode that I started in was titled, How Smart Can We Get? It might be easier to just, just to Google Chester Santos, that's me and PBS, but you'll be able to find it. If you do check it out, you're going to see me performing some crazy uh, memory feats on the show. And then they had me train David Pogue. People might also know David Pogue from New York Times um, and also CBS News. He's a technology industry correspondent. I trained him. He then was able to perform some cool memory feats on the show after just a little bit of training. Next thing they had on the show was brain scientists. Neuroscientists appear and you know explain for people watching at home on TV. All right, you have to explain how was Chester able to pull off those memory feats and how in the world did David Pogue do it after just a little training from Chester. And the brain scientists confirmed that it's because with these techniques that I've mastered over the years and that we'll talk a little bit about today during the interview, we are helping people to use more of the brain in order to encode the information into memory so it becomes easier to retrieve it later. And part of this is learning to use additional senses in order to activate more of the brain. So that's the second principle. I think pretty easy for people to grasp there, just more senses, more of the brain, easier to remember. Third and final principle that you always wanna keep in mind is while you are seeing and experiencing all of this happening, try to make it crazy, unusual, extraordinary in some way, because there is a psychological aspect to human memory. All of us tend to remember things pretty easily, things that catch us by surprise that are weird, right? Extraordinary in some way. So, you know, if an elephant right now, Nick, in the room that you're recording in, if an elephant suddenly crashed into the room right now, and if people, you know, watching this interview, if an elephant suddenly crashed in a room that they're in and started to spray water all over you with its trunk, if that actually happened at this moment, you would probably remember that for the rest of your life and always tell that story. Even 40 plus years from now, you would be telling people, you are never going to believe this. I was interviewing this memory guy and during the interview, an elephant out of nowhere crashed in the room, spraying, sprayed water on me. It was just unbelievable. That might be stuck there forever without any effort, right? You wouldn't need to try to commit that to memory. Now, to this day, nobody understands actually how that works. Like, how is it that sometimes in one second, something will go into long-term memory, stay there forever. Whereas other times we might spend weeks, months trying to get maybe important training material, important processes, procedures. Maybe we're trying to learn a foreign language and we can't get this stuff into our long-term memory. Um, we just need to realize that there is that aspect, the psychological part to how the mind works and just realizing it, we can harness it, put it into practice utilize it toward things that would be very useful to remember for business, personal life, you know, personal development, things like that. So that's it. Those are the three principles. Uh, once you've kind of mastered those and at least understand generally what I'm talking about there, you can start to try to put them into practice. And at that point, the specific technique will differ uh, depending on the information type. So it's, it's almost as if by harnessing those three techniques, are you, would you consider like you're, you're hijacking your memory and forcing something into long-term memory versus a short-term memory? Because like we, we all know like we can all recite 26 letters as long as it's the alphabet in order, right? But, but, but it's because we were taught that when we were kids over, you know, years of, of, of uh, reiteration. But what you're doing and what you do with, with these memory competitions, you're able to do the same thing, but instantaneously, um, is it, it's by almost like harnessing the senses and by making this like extraordinary image, it, it almost do you, like, does that actually get put into long-term, um, 
like memory storage or like, can you go back and essentially recite the, like a deck of cards from years back or does it also get like, is it great for short term, like remembering a deck of cards, but then you'll, you'll forget about that specific order of that deck a day later. Yeah. So what you're going to find is when you use these types of techniques that I teach people automatically, uh, the information stays there much longer than it would otherwise. So uh, usually people use rote repetition, right? And just drill the information into their head. If you do that, it tends to be only good for the very short term. You'll spit it out on maybe an exam and then it's gone one or two days later or even maybe before that. Um, but with these types of techniques, without realizing it, you're using a lot of the brain. So it will stay there longer. A deck of cards that I memorize might stay in my memory for a couple of weeks, maybe even a few weeks. But what you want to do, so if it's something important to know uh, on the job, it will benefit you in your career some, or something for personal development, like you want to learn foreign language vocabulary. What you'll do is combine the types of techniques that we'll talk about today in conjunction with spaced repetition. So reviews that are spaced out over time are very effective for long-term memory. So I talked actually with researchers at Washington, Washington University in St. Louis, Wash U for short um, about this. They did some research on my brain along with some Jeopardy champions. Uh, it's something called the Superior Memory Project they're doing over at Wash U. Um, I was asking them, okay, how can I help? students more effectively with all of this stuff that I'm teaching people. And they said, Chester, it's exactly with what you're training people in, but add this element of space repetition. So they recommend that students review after their notes, right after the lecture, maybe at the end of the week, maybe a couple of weeks after that, then a few weeks later, if students would go about studying uh, in that way, it, they're going to know the information even months later. And then if you review it months later, you know it even longer term. So hmm. that is the way to get things in a long-term memory with these types of techniques in conjunction with spaced repetition. Awesome. Well, we, we kind of spoke earlier before we started recording that you were actually going to, I don't know, quiz me or teach me on on the, the podcast live. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. And, and essentially we can do this with the listeners and they can follow along as well and teach us how we can implement some of these different techniques in our everyday life, whether it's with, you know, phone numbers or whether it's with names or whether it's I, later on, I'm, I'm intrigued to, to kind of see how your techniques might be applicable to like remembering rapids or, or river features or something like that. As I've got a race actually later this, this afternoon that I might oh, go do, wow. but, um, but yeah, no, let's go ahead and dump, jump right into it and, and learn from some of your techniques. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do it. I'm glad that you're you're up for it, me putting you on the spot there in the middle of the interview. I think it'll be, yeah, cool for the listeners to follow along and they can develop these new, these new memory skills. So I'm going to have you quickly memorize a random list of words. Uh, it's going to be monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, and dollar. That's the random list of words. Now, if people were to usually attempt this, they would just write out that list over and over again. They would read it over and over again, recite it to themselves. Again, rote re repetition, which is not good uh, for long-term memory at all. It's a difficult uh, and boring process. Instead, we're going to incorporate the three principles that I talked about earlier. We're going to try to visualize. We're going to try to use other senses. We're going to try to make it crazy, weird. So I'm going to guide you through a visual. Uh, just do your best to see this happening. Uh, relax, have fun with it. If you're smiling, giggling, it's a good sign. Um, and we'll see how you do. And then I will, after this, go over practical applications, like how this would apply in, in one's business and things like that. But let's see how you do with this. So monkey was the first word. So I just want for you to visualize a monkey. That's it. You can do this with your eyes open or closed. Just see this monkey. It's dancing around, making monkey noises, whatever a monkey would sound like. So you want to see and hear the monkey, all right? The monkey now picks up a gigantic iron, uh, maybe like you would iron your clothes with because iron was the second word. So just see this monkey dancing around with his giant iron. The iron starts to fall, but a rope attaches itself to the iron. Maybe even feel the rope. Maybe it feels sort of rough. So really interact with that rope. You look up the rope and you see that the other end of the rope is attached to a kite. It's flying around in the air. 
maybe reach up and try and touch that kite. The kite now crashes into the side of a house. Really visualize that. See that happening? It crashes into a house. The house you notice is completely covered in paper. For some strange reason, it's completely covered in paper. Out of nowhere, a shoe appears. It starts to walk all over the paper. Maybe it's messing it up as it's walking on it, that shoe. The shoe smells kind of badly, so you decide to investigate. You look inside of the shoe and you find a smelly worm crawling around inside of that shoe. Really see that worm. Next word I had given was worm. The worm now jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope or envelope. Maybe it's going to mail itself or something. I don't know. But envelope was next. Out of nowhere, a pencil appears and it starts to write all over that envelope. Maybe it's addressing it, that pencil. The pencil now jumps into a river and there's a huge splash like you would never expect to see when it hits the river. See that next word was river. The river you notice is crashing up against a rock, this giant rock. See that this river is crashing up against a giant rock. That rock flies out of the river somehow and it crashes into a tree. Really see it crash into this tree. The tree is growing cheese. You probably haven't seen a tree like this before. It's growing cheese. And out of the cheese comes a dollar. A dollar shoots out of the cheese. Try and see clearly in your mind that dollar. All right. Now I'm going to run through this again in about 20 seconds. And your job is to simply replay through this little story that you've created in your mind. So we started off with a monkey. That monkey was dancing around with what? It was dancing around with an iron. What then attached itself? It was a rope. The other end of the rope was attached to what? It was a kite. The kite crashed into something. It crashed into a house. What was the house covered in? It was covered in paper, right? Something walked on the paper. What was it? It was a shoe. What was crawling in that shoe? It was a worm. The worm then jumped into an envelope. Really see it go into the envelope. Something wrote on the envelope, it was a pencil. The pencil jumped into the river. The river was crashing up against a rock. What did the rock fly into? It was a tree. What was that tree growing? It was growing cheese and what came out was a dollar. So now it should be pretty easy to recall the entire random list of words by simply playing through that story in your mind. Each major object that you see in the story is going to give you the next random word. So Nick, I'd like to have you give it a try. Just take your time, play through the story in your head, see if you can rattle off the words. And I think it would be great for, you know, your podcast listeners to follow along and see how well they do. Cool. Well, I'll give this a shot. Um, monkey, iron, rope, kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, Tree, cheese, dollar. So let me have you go Did back to one? river quick. Yeah, oh, just one. River That's rock. It. Did I miss rock? That's it. Yeah. So just continue <clears throat> from river. Go ahead. Okay. So river, rock, tree, cheese, dollar. Excellent. So that was awesome. But the bad news for you, Nick, is that you did so well there that I don't always ask the host of the show to do this, but you did really well, uh, a lot better, much better than average. So I'd like you to try um, to just do your best and see if you can recite for us those words in reverse. Um, all you'll do is slowly go through the story backwards and uh, that will give you the words in the reverse order. So take your time. People can follow along and see if they can do, you know. Let's try this. <clears throat> okay, so dollar cheese tree, rock, river, pencil, envelope, worm, shoe, paper, house, kite, rope, iron, monkey. Great job. So perfect backwards. Excellent. Really well done there. Um, and I'm sure that your listeners that give it a try, if they don't get 100%, they'll get close to 100%. So this technique is called the story method. It's just one of many techniques that memory champions like myself use, uh, use that to pull off what might at first seem like, you know, crazy memory feats. They've had me on over the years on science channel, discovery channel, a bunch of different news programs, 
they'll have me come on, perform what at first seems like a memory feat, then give tips for viewers at home as to how they can improve their own memory abilities. But I really want to stress during this interview that there's nothing at all different about my brain compared to everyone else's. I've just learned these techniques that are powerful and effective. I've put in the training and practice. I really hope that people that watch this or listen to this episode uh, will realize that they are capable of being totally awesome. I know this is the art of awesome. They're totally uh, capable of being amazingly awesome in terms of their ability to remember things with just a little bit of practice. And this is going to give you a huge advantage in just about any career. There are going to be multiple ways as how, how you can use this in your personal life. And we can get into more of the benefits and specific applications later on. Yeah. I mean, so first off, thank you so much that it, it truly is incredible how I wouldn't consider myself uh, someone who necessarily has, you know, phenomenal memory. And, and part of that, I guess I, I should probably stop saying that because my subconscious is listening, but, um, but it is amazing how you just use simple techniques like this story technique and you can, you can remember things a, a lot clearer. Um, so how would you implement something like this into a scenario? If you're like, a, like a visual, so clearly we're, you know, remembering this, this scene, this, this, I don't know, story, I guess that we're playing in our minds and I visualize a lot and, and maybe that's why it helps or not. But, um, I visualize like rivers that I run a lot in my head, especially when training for races and stuff. How might I better visualize or, or memorize, um, these rivers or actual like physical places in my mind, should I be using like actual, you know, more extraordinary like imagery that like maybe like, you know, Sasquatch comes out at this rapid or waterfall or different things like that, that are very visual. Um, because it, I guess for me, when I'm thinking about it now, when I'm remembering a river, the main scenes, like the rapid, the main rapids, the waterfalls, those kinds of things, I always remember those. No, like everybody always remembers those because they're hard to forget. It's the little um, details of like, oh, there's that one little rock in the flat water that you got to remember, like different spots like that, that you would more easily forget because it's not as visually impactful. Um, should I be using like extraordinary imagery adding in that what I'm visualizing in my head is, is that the technique that I should use or how best should I kind of try to remember more of like a, a physical scene? Yeah, this is very interesting for me in that this hasn't come up in an interview uh, before in this specific way in that you already as a kayaker are tapping into one of our most powerful uh, memory abilities as humans, we have a very good natural ability to remember routes, actually. Um, we And this can be used for something else. So let me talk about a technique in general and then how to address those just, you know, few locations you might be missing here. Yep. So you should be pretty good already at remembering a route. And it sounds like you are and the other kayakers are because it's something that's built into us as humans, at some point in human history, when we went on a journey, we had to remember where there was danger, where there was food, and things like that. So we have a very good ability to later on mentally review a route that we've been through and recall at least the main location. So you were saying you could remember, you know, for instance, the significant waterfall and things like that. But the smaller things, maybe not so much, right? So for those smaller things, what I would do is, as you suggested, I might add a Sasquatch there at the little tiny insignificant rock, right? Or some scary looking dragon or something like that, right? Add that, attach it to that, and then you will get the entire route. Um, but your ability to already remember the main parts of the route, you can actually leverage that uh, to memorize uh, chapters of books, to memorize presentations, to memorize really large bodies of data. So you're already as a kayaker without probably realizing it, um, which is very interesting to me, you're tapping into something that we call the, uh, the, sto uh, the sorry, we cover story method, right? method of loci or the journey method. Um, it's also been known as the memory palace technique. So this concept actually originated with the ancient Greeks 
It was known as the method of loci, L-O-C-I, meaning location. Uh, the Roman orders used it to give speeches hours in length from memory without any notes. The famous order Cicero used this technique, so it's been known as the Roman room method. But modern memorizers like myself refer to this as the journey method because it's based on going on a journey, remembering the main uh, parts of the route, and then you place images that remind you of what you want to remember along the route. So when you mentally retraverse it, the images that you've stored there come back to you, and this could represent points of a presentation, could represent uh, key points from chapters of books and things like that. So you're kind of a, you kind of have a head start, I guess, as a kayaker uh, in terms of being able to use this memory palace journey method technique. Interesting. I've heard of um, so I've, I've read the book uh, Moonwalking with Einstein. And, and yeah. learned about memory palaces through that and, and stuff like that and, and learned about the, the memory championships and everything. Um, yeah. And so I, I had used it, like, I think one of the examples is like walking into the house that you were like your childhood house, because it's, it's ingrained in our, our memory so much, but I've never thought about using rivers as a memory palace, but you're totally right where I have you could. enough rivers in my mind that I know, you know, yeah off by heart that I could use as memory palaces. But then I guess what would another way to, yeah, I mean, I guess just adding in those visual, like adding the Sasquatch, adding the dragon into these different spots are probably just ways to remember the rapids specifically so that I never forget any of them. And then going back to what you said earlier on where we do that uh, reiteration memory. So like once a week, once a month, whatever it is, so that it's just, Every now and then you, you kind of run through that river in your mind and whether it's like, you know, once a month or whatever it is, and it'll just like solidify that into your mind so that you never forget that, that run or anything like that. It's very, very interesting. I love this whole memory thing, especially cause I guess, I guess probably the, what it really comes down to is I had a, I used to have pretty good memory when I was a kid. Um, and I don't know if that's something, do you, like you said as well, that you had pretty good memory when when you first, you know, came across, I think you said a C CBS special or something like that. Um, and do you think that memory is something that people are born with innately, or do you think that it's just a skill that anybody, like obviously what we just, you, you just taught us, anybody can learn it, but do you think that some people are born with maybe a higher innate skill, or is it just maybe those people just naturally trained it um, without even realizing it? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we are all born with different gifts, different natural inclinations, right? So some people are just right off the bat better with music, right? Some people are right off the bat better with sports. Some are better with math without, you know, much practice, right? They're just inclined toward those uh, areas. So some people definitely are going to be better, uh, born better in terms of memory ability. But the good news is, that no matter where you are at today in terms of your ability to remember things, you can dramatically improve from where you're currently at with the right techniques and a little bit of training and practice. Now, do you need to get to memorizing uh, a deck of cards in less than, you know, 90 seconds like I used to? You might not, you know, ever need to get <laughs> to develop your memory skills to that extent, but in terms of developing your memory skills enough to remember more names from conferences and business meetings to get more of business networking, that's within everybody's reach. Uh, to develop your memory skills to the degree where you can give a presentation, minimizing the amount of notes, or maybe this is to be more prepared with a meeting for uh, a client or potential client. Anyone is cap capable of doing that, learning foreign language vocabulary, processes, procedures, training material. Anybody can do that sort of stuff. You don't need to reach the point to where you're memorizing decks of cards in, in you know, 90 seconds and hundreds of names in just a couple of minutes and things like that. Um, I think that for practical purposes, anyone is capable of getting to uh, a significant uh, in term, a significant memory level, I guess, memory ability level. Um, significant enough to be very useful. Um, let me quickly give a practical application of something like the story method so people understand it's not just random words. So, you know, you're just going to take it a step further and build mental note cards. So, 
Um, if I were going to give a talk about healthcare, for instance, in the United States, always a hot topic for discussion over here in the US, I might have my first image of the story simply be a stethoscope, you know, that the doctor would use to check your heartbeat. Uh, that's going to represent the broad topic of healthcare. First thing I want to hit on in my presentation is the high cost of healthcare in the US. So maybe $100 bills are shooting out of the stethoscope. Next thing I want to cover in my presentation or talk on healthcare is that in order to get certain things covered, we have to find a way sometimes to navigate through or cut through a lot of red tape. So maybe wrapping itself around the $100 bills is all of this red tape. So that should give you an idea of how you can leverage something as simple as the story method to build mental note cards that would help you to minimize the amount of notes when giving a presentation. This could also be, you know, maybe you're an entrepreneur meeting with clients, potential clients. You can say, hey, in my research about you and your company, I found out these five, 10 key things. I found out these five, 10 key things about your competitors. Here are five ways as to how myself and my services can help you and your company, when you can maintain eye contact with a person and show that you just know all of this stuff, people are very, very impressed with you. You're better demonstrating your knowledge and your expertise. You're perceived to be more of an expert. People have much more confidence in you and your abilities. You become more memorable in the business world when you can do this. And I think that, you know, nowadays in which the average person is not working on their memory at all, we're very we're in an age of digital dependency. I think there is, however, on the plus side, an opportunity to really stand, uh, stand out, set yourself apart if you'll work on your memory skills nowadays. I love that. And, and it's, it's amazing how, yeah, that, that you just, that anybody can do this, whether they've been told that they have a bad memory, whether that they, you know, it's, again, like I had a, a bad concussion uh, when I was 13, something like that. And I had really bad short term memory for a long time. Um, and it, but yeah, I've been slowly like trying to train it. But it's it's amazing how something like this where we just go through a simple story technique and, you know, I can I can memorize these random list of words. Um, I would imagine it's also like extremely um, useful for trying to remember, you know, a list of things to do today or a grocery list or different things like that. And you could probably do the same with phone numbers when people are saying that. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this memory is just like what you're saying, an incredible tool that we all have access and the capability of. And when used properly, you, you give off this, I don't know if it's, if it's a perception of, knowledge or experience, or if it's just something that it proves that you care. Um, in the book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, they say a lot about how just by mentioning someone's name, it makes them feel so much better and, and, and listened and cared for. And I think just by using something like this as a memory technique to, to be able to remember people's names, they're immediately going to think that you obviously care much more in, in the sense that you're putting in the effort to, cause it still takes effort. I mean, you've got to practice that you've got to practice these techniques, but you're, you're willing to put in the effort to, to care about remembering that person's name versus just like, Oh, Hey, thanks. Nice, nice to meet you. And I'll forget about you in 30 seconds. Yeah, definitely. So you hit on a lot of different things there. This is everything you said. I 100% agree with, you know, people have, again, you know, you seem more knowledgeable, right? People have more confidence again in you and your abilities. Um, that's definitely uh, one aspect. But another aspect, as you mentioned, is that it shows that you care, right? When you've prepared for that meeting, you've clearly prepared, done the research on uh, that person's business, uh, them as a person, in addition to what they're doing. I mean, people uh, love that. They really feel, um, you know, yeah, they want to know that before they want to know how much you know, they want to know that you care, right? That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a quote from uh, Teddy Roosevelt, actually. So, um, you know, that there is that aspect as well. Uh, and remembering names is another part of that. We talked about a little bit about techniques for names um, to build better relationships. This really just your head and shoulders above everyone else you're, you're so much more memorable again, because I think everyone's just, we become so dependent on these devices. People are just accepting that they're bad at names. Hey, I'm bad at names. That's the way it is. I, I can't remember 
you know, these processes, procedures, that's just how it is. I'm going to rely on my phone to remember everything. So because I think the huge majority of people have just become, uh, uh, you know, to, they've come to accept this as the reality that they can't remember things. There is that opportunity to really be, you know, in the top 1% in terms of uh, the business world, if you will work on developing your memory skills. I love that, Chester. This has been a phenomenal interview. I have been gaining so much value and insight and knowledge from you. Thank you so much. I'm going to move us on to the last segment of our show that I call the fire round, and I'm just going to fire a couple quick questions at you. Um, Chester, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Um, well, I listed one sort of there from uh, Teddy Roosevelt. I li- One quote I like is you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to eventually become great. Uh, That is one of my favorite quotes because it applies not only to my field, uh, you know, memory, but really just about anything at all. People I think are a little bit scared off at first to, to get started. But if you want to eventually become great at something, you just need to start and then uh, eventually, you know, it's just consist- being consistent from there. And, and you will be amazed at what you're able to develop in terms of new skills uh, over time. I, I love that. And I, I talk about that a lot on this podcast uh, specifically, but that we, we just all need to take action. And even, even if, you know, uh, even if failure or mistakes come, you're way better at just learning and growing from them versus sitting on the sideline watching and never even playing the game. So I love that take action. And, um, yeah, I mean, Teddy Roosevelt, he's got, he's got so many quotes that you could go from. He's like very, very, (laughs) uh, uh, I don't know, an amazing individual for sure. Um, I've got another question. What would be a recent, um, what would be a recent lesson that you've learned, whether through a mistake or through success? Let's see here. Um, I think a, a lesson that I've really learned just over the last 13 plus years in business. And I guess I learned the lesson. I mean, it applies to even when I was competing in the U S memory championship is just perseverance, you know? So I took third place. I kept taking third place. I could have, uh, you know, just given up and said, Hey, this is the best I can do. Um, but I didn't, I just kept pushing harder and harder. And eventually I did win, uh, the U S memory championship and it's completely changed the course of my life. Now I feel very, uh, privileged and honored to get to travel around the world, helping people to develop new skills. And then it also applies in my business. It wasn't easy to, to leverage winning the United States memory championship and, you know, turn it into a business, a speaking and training career. Um, so it was rough, especially I started, I happened to start in 2008, which I guess was not the best time to start uh, a new business. So it was really rough in the early years, but I just kept pushing and every um, subsequent year in terms of my business was better than the previous year, all the way up through the, the hit from COVID. So that's the only Um, an exception. But other than that, every year was getting better and better and better. So perseverance, just keep going. Yeah. I love that. Perseverance is, it's, it's the perfect explanation for success because uh, I'm trying to remember now we're talking all about memory. I'm trying to remember how the quote goes, but uh, it's something along the lines of you cannot fail if you never give up. Like any time through those, you know, third place, finishes you could have just been like fine I'm done with it and then you never you never win but by never giving up you eventually open up that window of success and and I think that perseverance also just like it leads to obsession and what we spoke on earlier as well that that obsession and perseverance leads to success so yeah amazing um Chester do you have a favorite book or current book that you're reading? Um, you know, you mentioned actually one of my favorite books, uh, and it's one that I often will quote in my presentations is How to Win Friends and Influence People. So I think that, you know, to this day, it's still one of the most popular uh, personal and business success books ever written. So um, that's definitely one of my favorites. I highly recommend 
um, that people check that out. Awesome. I, again, also love that book and I don't, it, it was written a long time ago. It's definitely an old book, but it is phenomenal. And the information is still very relevant to this day. And it's, I think the title can be misleading. Um, but it is, if you haven't read it, definitely go get a copy because it's, it's just literally filled with some of the best information out there for sure. Um, Chester, if you could go back in time to any time in your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what might it be? I think just from what I've learned, uh, get started earlier. That's one thing I wish that I would have done um, with many different things. You know, uh, the memory training, you know, turning also getting started in, in this particular business. I just... Because like everyone else, I, I think I had that fear, you know, that thing, whatever it is that holds people back from getting started. And uh, it's when I started, when I started to experience uh, success. So I think that's what I would go back and tell myself is to get, get started earlier. I love that. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think one, you, by, by starting earlier, you get that compound effect of just time on an experience as well. Um, on your side and under your belt. And yeah, I mean, I think that what you're saying about that fear, it's like that doubt that we all have, that we're worried about what yeah. other people might perceive of us or that that um, that fear of failure and what people will think of us if we fail. Because we all know that like by taking action, by doing that perseverance, um, by getting started, you, it leads into personal growth, even if you make mistakes, even if you're starting in 2008 and it's hard, you still learn along the way and you're grateful because of it. So yeah, I highly uh, encourage anybody out there do exactly what Chester's saying. If you've got a dream, a desire, a goal, just get started, go for it. Chester, this has been amazing. I'm going to, um, I've got two final questions for you before, before we sign off. One of them is if you were to leave this earth today, and everything that you have done up till now has it, it, it's erased with you. So your your books, uh, your TED talks, all your courses, everything that you've done is gone, and all you're left is a piece of paper and a pen. And you can leave three truths. What would those three truths be? And what would you want to share with with the world, with your friends, with your family, your fans, and followers? Three truths. Wow, that's hard. That's the toughest question you've asked me <laughs> so far, I think. Three truths. Hmm. Um, three truths about just about myself or about... Uh, anything about, about your life experience, about what you have found to okay. be true in life. Anything that you would want to share as almost like a three guiding light steps for someone else that might find find you on, on your deathbed. And, and this is the, the final three pieces of advice that you could give anyone. Yeah. I mean, I think that I'm going to reiterate again, some of the things I've already uh, mentioned. Um, knowledge I think is incredibly powerful and uh, I cherish it very much. So I think that is one truth that knowledge really is power. I mean, at least if you, you, you use it, in the right way, it gives you the power to change not only your life, but other people's lives. So that's one, I guess, uh, knowledge is power in brief. Um, uh, second one, I guess, is, um, you know, that fear, I think, a lot of times is, is just that. I don't know how to say it, I guess, eloquently or succinctly, um, but, get over fear, basically, um, because so many things that I've uh, been lucky to accomplish in my life never would have come to be uh, if I gave in to that fear and, it, I, and I prevented um, myself from, from trying something. So that's one, uh, that's number two, <laughs> another one, number two. And then um, lastly, I guess I'm going to just reiterate again that a lot can be accomplished through perseverance. I think it's really incredible what can be accomplished through perseverance. So you've got to just keep on going, keep uh, 
working towards your goal, even if slowly uh, over time, you make a lot of progress. So um, perseverance. I love that. Knowledge is power. Beat the doubt and the demons of the mind and persevere yeah. and continue to take action. Chester, this has been this has been phenomenal. Um, one of the things that I like to do as much as I can with with all of my shows and all of my interviews is try to provide as much value as I can as well. So is there something that you're focused on right now that maybe I could help uh, help you with or possibly my listeners as well? Yeah, so, you know, I'm really just on a mission to empower people with memory skills and leverage those skills to become more successful in their career, personal life. I've been doing this, uh, you know, over 13 years now. And with COVID going on, since I'm no longer to able to give in-person seminars, speeches, presentations, I created actually an online memory school. And it's, I, I really feel it's the most uh, useful, comprehensive product that I've developed. So I hope people will check out memoryschool.net. Uh, you can visualize a giant net to remember that it's .net. So just memoryschool.net. Um, I set up coupon code awesome for your listeners specifically. Uh, I don't know how many people might be interested from your audience, but I set it for 50 uses. So uh, as long as you're one of the first 50 people to use code awesome, it's going to zero out the enrollment fee. Normally $200 to a initially enroll it will bring that down to zero so check it out if you want to learn how to give presentations from memory learn foreign languages you're actually going to learn korean in the memory school but learn how to apply the techniques to any language uh, you'll apply it to training material um, there's a whole core training program advanced training and there's more training uploaded every month it's it's pretty cool and interesting so hopefully people will check that out that is awesome. Thank you so very much for that, Chester. And I myself will also be checking that out. Uh, I highly, again, recommend everybody check this out. I have learned so much from you, Chester, in these techniques and very much uh, encourage everyone else to go check out memoryschool.net. Um, Chester, again, is, is there any other way that people can reach out to you if they want to connect with you on social media, anything like that? What's maybe the best way for someone to reach out if they've got, you know, any other questions or uh, would just like to follow you along your, your journey? Oh, yeah, I would love uh, for people to keep in touch with me. So the two best ways, um, the social media accounts that I keep up with the most are one LinkedIn. Um, so uh, go ahead and send me a connection request on LinkedIn. Just mention that you heard me on the, the Art of Awesome uh, podcast here, and I will definitely um, uh, accept that request. So LinkedIn, and then also check me out on Instagram because I post every, used to be every week. Now it's every couple of weeks since I'm not traveling as much uh, due to COVID travel restrictions. But what I do is I visit famous locations all over the world, and I talk about how those locations in some way connect to memory uh, and or the brain learning. So it's pretty, uh, I've been pretty amazed at what, I, what I've been able to learn uh, over the years. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting video series, the International Man of Memory video series. So follow me on Instagram for, for those videos. Awesome. And, and we'll have the links for uh, Chester's Instagram, LinkedIn, and his memoryschool.net as well. Thank you again so very much, Chester. Final question of the day for you is, what is your definition of awesome? What is my definition of awesome? I think it's just, you know, something that's extraordinary, you know? So it could be, you know, that could be applied to uh, food. Wow. This, this pizza is awesome because it's better than all of the, you know, a cut above the rest, I guess is, is how I would best describe it. So a cut above the rest. Um, and I think everyone is capable of being awesome in, uh, in some respect. Um, I hope that I've encouraged people today to be awesome in terms of their memory. Chester, you most certainly have. So Thank you for this interview. Thank you for your time. You truly are awesome. And thanks for sharing all these skills and as well, um, the codes for people to go check out your memory school as well. So everybody listening, I hope you guys got some value out of this. I certainly did. I, I highly recommend you guys check out um, Chester online, his socials and his memory school. 
And if you did get value out of this, please share this out with one other individual. Share it out with a friend, a family member. Uh, show them how you guys can learn and memorize things because I think a lot of people will find this very intriguing and they're probably going to be pretty stoked on the results. So share it out. Um, anyway, I would highly encourage it and appreciate it. So thank you guys for doing that. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.